0: Hey Lunatics, you're listening to Let Them Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish people. You see, conventional farms are dying We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. Hey, lunatics. This weekend, I joined my wife's family in Minnesota for this post-wedding reception in the Great White North. And the main entrees were it's so perfect, three different kinds of soup. And you know, I figured why choose, so I got a bowl of each. And I just wanted to take the time to publicly pass on my ecstatic congratulations to Tyler and Sarah Nelson. Uh, I just want you two to know, if you're listening to this, that marriage will always be worth it. And I know you two have the love to go to the distance. I didn't know it, but it turns out Tyler and I were kindred souls. Uh, He just moved from Washington to Minnesota, and he currently works at a greenhouse. He wants to focus on the intersection between biblical kingdom work and eco-conscious living. That's so cool. There will definitely be an upcoming episode that was the offspring of our conversations. Now, back to the show. So let's talk about health. My recent low watermark for weight was 155 pounds. I had almost accidentally been adhering to a carnivore diet for a few months when I ate almost nothing but leftover pasture-raised beef, lamb, and pork from a donated chest freezer. I ate until I was satisfied. I imposed no dietary restrictions on myself, besides staying away from consuming simple carbs and sugar on a regular basis. All this extra fat I didn't even know I had just melted away. Kelly thought I looked better, and I even realized that I accidentally had a six-pack of abs. But once our daughter, Tesney, was born, all that changed. We were swamped by the generosity of our church and our families. Pretty soon, their food began to fill our fridge. Our grocery costs were almost non-existent for like two months, but the food was having a very obvious effect on our body. Um, after about two months, I had climbed back to 170 pounds. I mean, that's 15 pounds. Don't worry, you know I'm back to around the high 150's now. But seriously, across the board, Americans are getting shorter and stouter. We are slightly shorter than we were two decades ago, but we're 15 pounds heavier. Six decades ago, that's the 1960's folks, we were on average 30 pounds lighter than we are today, and only an inch shorter. Our physical health is one of the first parts of us that most people see. Before they get to know your laugh, love, personality, sexuality, ideas, hang-ups, and dreams, they see your body. And our body is a message to the rest of the world about the kind of food we're eating when no one else is around. When we're sick, our body suffers. And I mean, it means something we're doing isn't working, right? I mean, maybe it's not enough sleep, maybe we're too busy, but maybe we're eating the wrong kinds of food. It saddens me that the first place most of us visit when we feel sick is the pharmacy, Rather than the farmers market, there's huge, huge money in synthetic mes- medicine. This year, the top three pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. were collectively valued at over 28 billion dollars. That we only spent around 711 million at farmers markets to give you a comparison. Even for people who make the step away from the pharmacy and towards the farmers market, it's still hard. Part of what keeps more people from finding a diet that works is the excessive amount of misleading and contradictory information out there. Every year, it seems like people are coming out with the next great diet that's going to end world hunger. And then every 10 years or so, a diet gets recycled and rebranded. Uh, what was wrong with the first one? Uh, 10 years ago, it was the Atkins diet. Now it's the keto diet. Hmm? How do I know what to eat when two different people seem to advocate completely opposite dietary positions? I'm specifically thinking of both veganism and the carnivore diet. Is there a diet out there that can capture the benefits of being both fully vegan and fully carnivore? Like, Why do I have to choose? Simply put, I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all diet out there. Different diets work for different people. I've seen countless videos of people going vegan and experiencing radical physical transformation. Their blood pressure drops, they shed weight, their arthritis goes away, et cetera, et cetera. And I've seen a similar number of videos in the opposite direction. People going carnivore, shedding weight, improving digestion, clearing acne, et cetera, et cetera. There are even countless YouTube influencer vegan defectors on YouTube who switched to a meat-inclusive diet only to be shamed by their followers. My wife, Kelly, followed one, uh, Elise Parker of Raw Alignment, who broke the news to her fans with much criticism. She, like many others, had claimed period problems, brain fog, rashes, and more led to their difficult decision. It doesn't please either extreme, but I think the easiest explanation for this seeming incongruence is that we're omnivores. We are capable of eating both meat and greens. A healthy, balanced diet will make use of both. The fact that humans can diet off extremes, like veganism or carnivorism, or take a more balanced approach and achieve amazing health. It's a testament to the incredible God that created us. We are resilient because we were created to be that way. And we're most resilient when we're eating the best food. Good food isn't just a modern concern. It's a theme that runs through historic Christian literature. Now, I was just reading the book of Daniel, who's a major prophet in the Bible. And as a young man, his country of Israel was captured by the Babylonians. He was taken from his backwards religious home to Babylon to be re-educated in secular society by direct order of the king. But even as he was far from home, Daniel along with his three friends, decided to follow a Jewish kosher diet by eating just vegetables and water instead of the meat offered by the palace guard. After 10 days, he was in better physical shape than the other Hebrews being re-educated. He maintained a special relationship with God by eating a diet that was set apart from the rest of secular Babylonian society. Now, don't think I'm trying to say that veganism is the only way to biblically eat. Hundreds of years later, after the death of Jesus, the apostle Peter saw a vision of a sheep being lowered from heaven. The sheep contained many animals, and a voice from heaven said, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. Do not call anything impure which God has made clean. For millennia, ever since Moses received instructions from God, Jews had eaten a kosher diet to set themselves apart from the surrounding nations. They would eat goat, sheep, and deer on special occasions. But among many other things... They didn't eat shrimp or pork. God was now communicating that the distinctions between holy and unholy food no longer applied. This had a twofold meaning. God's message of redemption now mattered for both Jews and non-Jews, and his people could eat food that was formerly considered unclean. By Jesus' death, there was no longer a holy-slash-unholy distinction. All people and animals had been made holy. At different times in the Bible— God's plan for his people's food reflected different needs. First, with the kosher laws, it was his need for them to separate themselves from the surrounding secular nations. But with the death of his son, he no longer wanted them to separate themselves. He wanted the good news of redemption in Jesus' name to go to the ends of the earth. He didn't want the human distinctions of holy slash unholy food to get in the way of spreading the gospel. The fact that the Hebrews were able to exist for thousands of years as a mainly vegetarian society, and then Christians were able to transition to a more meat-inclusive diet, shows just how omnivorous we are. We can handle both extremes, even though we don't have to. I mean, really, diets can be tough to follow, I get it. But remember, lunatics, there are few things more valuable in life than your health. When it comes to diet and health, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to than Mariah Boatwright. She had some pretty serious health concerns a few years back, which she has since alleviated by a diet of whole foods and pasture-raised meat. Here she is. So welcome back, Lunatics, to another episode of Let the Meat Grass. I'm here with Mariah Boatwright, who is the wife of one of my best friends in the world, David Boatwright, who... Started the incredible farm that gave me the start in farming that I had. So, welcome to the show, Mariah.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Austin.
0: Yeah. So, the point of the episode today is health and is very, very specifically the health change that people witness whenever they change diets. And, you know, we're really passionate about a pasture-raised diet. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about what a pasture-raised diet means?
1: Um, so for us, you know, a pasture-raised diet means that, um, you know, our food, the animals um, that we raise and the and the meat that we eat from them, um, it, they just eat the pasture. That's how God designed the animals to be, um, was to... Um, what he created for them was grass and you know lush pastures um, so you know just eating foods that um, you know weren't made in a lab or you know something like that it just it's it's natural it's nothing fake or um, you know just made up it's just natural
0: gotcha and I know that and I like I totally agree right like you know I'm with you 100% um, you're kind of like the un- unseen force when it comes to the farm. Like, you know, <laughs> you are the battery that keeps uh, David going. You know, you're, you're the one who keeps, you know, the house running. You know, you're, you're the one answering customer emails, you know, doing all this stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, in your, uh, for you, I want to I hear it from you. Like if you could imagine a perfect day, what would you be doing? And where would you be, and who would you be with?
1: Oh, the perfect day. Well, the perfect day would be about 70 or 75 degrees outside. You know, not too hot, not too cold. It's just perfect. Um, but I would absolutely be outside. Um, and with my family, with my husband our two boys, going for a walk, um, you know, playing in a creek, or going for a hike, anything outside, going for a Kubota ride to check the cows. Like, that that's my perfect day just being outside with my family
0: what sounds really cool is that your perfect day is like your life like some I feel like some people's perfect day (laughs) would be like you know meeting their favorite celebrity or you know going to some you know exotic destination but your favorite day is like the life that you have I think that's really cool oh
1: yeah yeah I mean don't get me wrong I would love to have my toes in the sand somewhere But honestly, you just, once you're there, like, you would be like, you know, I'm ready to be home. Like, home is just my place. And for us, home is the farm, and that's just our life, and I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: That's awesome. Now, so as far as reality goes, right? So, you know, that's your perfect Mm -hmm. day, and some days, your perfect day is exactly what happens. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time in your life when you know, health wise, you, it was far from perfect for you. And so take me back to that time. Like, what did your average food day look like before switching to a pasture based diet?
1: Oh, I'm embarrassed to even say, I mean, we had cereal for breakfast and, you know, it's loaded with sugar and, you know, we might have, um, some sort of a, you know, deli sandwich or something for lunch. That's just, chock full of, you know, all kinds of additives and nitrates and all that kind of stuff. Or we'd, you know, eat out at a fast food restaurant and we'd, you know, it just, we had beef, but it wasn't um, pasture raised. Um, It was always finished on grain. That's what uh, David's family did. And so we always got beef from them. So it was better than maybe like beef from Walmart or something like that, but it still wasn't the best. So honestly, it was just whatever was cheap and easy, and convenient, and that's what we ate, and um, so it was a, a big change looking back, you know, from then to now.
0: So. I hear you. I, I was there too, both myself and Kelly, and the crazy Hi. part is that, you know, not not only was because there's a lot of people who have that diet, and it doesn't really seem like on the surface like there's any problems, but you mm-hmm. were told that you probably wouldn't be able to have kids. Tell me more about that and how that led to a transformation of your diet.
1: Well, I was about, I think I was about 20 years old, and I had um, some very intense pain in my side, and um, so my mom was concerned that it was my appendix. So we went to the emergency room and come to find out it's not my appendix, but I have ovarian cysts. They immediately just wanted to put me on some hormonal birth control to try to make it work itself out or, you know, whatever. And um, they said, but it probably won't do the trick, so you probably won't have kids. Or, you know, if you want to try to have kids, it's probably going to take a lot of work and extra steps and, you know, all of that. So um, I at that point i just did what the doctor said you know you take the the pill and you just go on about it because that's all you know like you think that's all you can do and so i guess i just sort of accepted that fact um but just dealing with all of so on top of having you know the pain and discomfort from ovarian cysts and then on top adding some medication some hormonal birth control pill totally just flipped me upside down. Like I, I tried several different kinds of pills, but everything did something crazy to me. I, the first one I took, I was super moody and mean. I was very tense and stressed and anxious. And that's not my typical personality. I'm a very laid back, easy going, happy go lucky. Like I'm just a positive person, but I wasn't when I was taking that. Um, you know, another one I was, it made me so tired that I would come home from work, I would take a nap, I'd wake up and make dinner, and then I'd go to bed. And it was just, I could not function. I was just so exhausted. So finally, we're like, you know, this can't be the best way to handle this. Like, this is crazy. This is not natural. This is not doing anything good for me. It's not resolving any of my issues. So we're like, that's it. We're just, we've got to start somewhere else. So David and I decided we're going to stop taking the pill, and we're just going to start, you know, little by little, just changing what we ate. And so the big thing that we started first was just finding a better source of meat. So instead of having meat that was finished with, you know, grain, you know, corn and soybeans, we decided, well, maybe we should just try, like, a grass-fed beef. And because we raised beef, but... You know, we raised cows, but we didn't ever butcher them for our own meat. Like, it didn't even make sense. So, anyway, we just started with, um, I think we started with beef, and then we decided, well, hey, why not, why can't we just raise our own eggs? Like, that sounds great. Or we just had a few chickens in our backyard, and, we, you know, we moved them in our backyard, so they got fresh grass every day. And so we just started with, like, the basic things. We loved meat, and so we had meat all the time. And so we just started with our meat and our eggs and just kind of changed it that way. And, you know, and little by little, we started, you know, I would just try to start making things homemade instead of buying them from a can or a box or, you know, buying things fresh instead of, um, you know, um, out of a can or frozen or whatever. And so just changing that, it was just amazing. Within nine months or a year, I think we were pregnant with our first son. So, I mean, it was just Amazing. Incredible. I felt I I started feeling better. You know, I had a lot of headaches prior. Also, my headaches were not near as frequent, and it was just amazing. It was like, wow, why didn't we think of this before? We spent months trying to just take a pill to fix it, and it was just, you know, trying to cover up the symptoms. It wasn't truly really getting at the root cause, and so, and that's what the food did. It just it just changed my body from the inside out. Like it just started with, you know, putting good things into my body instead of just trying to take the easy way out and just covering it up with the pill.
0: You know, so. I think that you're even like almost downplaying the severity of your symptoms from the pill. Cause I remember David would tell me stories of you, not even just feeling tired and needing to take a nap, but you would like sit down on a chair and you would like nod off to sleep, like yeah, in the it, middle it of the day. Yeah, it was
1: pretty terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, I just, I literally just couldn't, it was affecting my, you know, my work day and just being able to focus or to remember things. Like if they would told me something or asked me to do something for me to remember to do it, if I didn't write it down and have a sticky note, you know, to my forehead, I wasn't going to remember it. I was just too tired. I couldn't focus. Um, I just, you know, I was like falling asleep as I'm laying down, you know, in bed at night. I just I was asleep before I hit the pillow sometimes. It just it's crazy. I, I truly was exhausted all the time and there wasn't um, really no good reason for that. It was just an easy an easy fix. So to change our diet. So. That's crazy. And you had mentioned
0: that you'd yeah. come from that conventional farming background and you know not everybody mm-hmm. who listens to this podcast has a farming background but they do eat conventional food so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious since you're you know you were so close to conventional farming what was the mm-hmm. hardest dietary change to accept and what was the easiest
1: um you know i can i grew up on um, a conventional chicken farm and so my parents had um six chicken houses, six chicken barns so, you know, we walked up and down the chicken houses picking up dead chickens every day. And, uh, you know, doing it, I just thought that's what you did. Um, And so, honestly, I think the hardest transition from conventional to what we are now, you know, in a pasture-based system wasn't necessarily, like, a difficult diet change for me because once you realize that what you're eating is not good for you and, like, realizing the negative impact it was having on my health, that part wasn't necessarily difficult for me. The hard part was like, okay, so how do I now, um, you know, interact with my family who doesn't necessarily agree with our pastor-based way of life now and still interacting with them and just not being, you know, um, judgmental towards them, but being able to show them respect and love, even though we don't agree with necessarily how I was raised, like I would have chose to do something different, I would have been healthier had I known, but you know, so that that's hard, that family dynamic, so I don't know, necessarily the diet change, just that maybe wasn't like, like once I knew it was not good for me, like okay, that's it, I'm not going to eat that anymore, I don't want to, that part was easy, maybe a hard part was um, being able to branch out and not be afraid to try new things. Mm-hmm. And um, just having confidence that I could learn to cook something different, or cook something a different way, or you know, try to make something homemade instead of you know, uh, out of a can. You know, growing up, we the only vegetables we ate were out of a can, mm-hmm. and that was you know, we had green beans or corn. Like that's the only thing, only vegetables I remember eating. And so, just changing from that mindset was hard. Like being able to branch out and try something new and not being afraid to fail. Like that's hard. You don't want to mess it up. And so Absolutely. that was the hard for me. Yeah. Um, so it was I think it was easy to realize, you know, hey, that's not good for me. So let's try something else. But then when you get to that spot of, okay, well what is the something else? That's difficult, just being able to branch out and try something new and not being afraid to fail. No. You
0: know, it sounds I don't know, like that answers your question. Yeah, it right, definitely answers my question. It's, you know, it sounds like you know, friction with your family aside, and you know, I I definitely yeah. get my fair share of you know raised eyebrows whenever I bring my raw milk you know home and you know all, all my kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but friction, fr- and I because I know I know what that not like out they're not outright dismissive, but you know they all they definitely mm-hmm. don't agree with me. Um, yeah. Like friction aside, it's you know it sounds like. You're overall, you know, very happy with the choices that you've made, and it's resulted in two beautiful boys, and you know, oh, absolutely, an incredibly healthy life for yourself. And I'm curious, like, you know, we're fellow Christians. What role do you think diet plays in our personal relationship with God?
1: Oh, I think it plays a huge role. I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier. You know, God created the animals to um, just eat the grass and the pasture, and so when I think there's just a sense of spiritual wholeness when you're eating, um, you know, food the way God designed it to be. And um, when I don't know, it's just it's just amazing. You just when you think about how God created it to be, I don't know, you almost just I feel like you can learn and understand and know God better when you are eating and doing the things the way that he created it to be. It just makes it more special and more meaningful. And I think you become more thankful um, to God for what he's given you because it, it's just, I think it, it plays a huge role. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, because I,
0: I, I think that God uses can use food, and he has historically and biblically used food to set his people apart from the culture that surrounded them and like, and he uses it to establish a special relationship with them. Like I was just reading Daniel this morning and like Daniel, like the way they set themselves, him and his friends set themselves apart from the Babylonian culture was to eat vegetables and God blessed him Mm -hmm. for that. And then later, Mm -hmm. you know, as time goes on, New Testament comes around, then Paul sees a vision and, you know, there's this big blanket and there's these meat items on the blanket and, you know, it's God telling him, mm-hmm. that, hey, it's okay to eat meat now. Like, I think that God communicates special things about himself and establishes special relationships through food. So, you know, I'm totally, absolutely. totally in agreement. And lastly, yeah, like, if you absolutely. had any encouragement for people who are contemplating this shift or, you know, just made it and they're wondering whether or not it's worth keeping on, like, what would you say to them?
1: Oh, it's absolutely worth it. Like I could never say it's not worth it. Like changing my diet helped me to have two boys. Like I have two kids now. Like and I you know, I was told I probably wouldn't be able to. So absolutely hands down it's totally worth it. Is it easy every day? No. But I would just say don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help and don't be afraid to fail. Like it's just you just Go simple. Take little steps. You know, we started with meat and and eggs, and uh, we just started with that. And then you can, you know, the more that you do it, the more you'll learn. And so it just takes time. Like, you know, Judah is almost three years old, and so it would have been, you know, over four years ago that we started this. And I'm still learning new things and new ways to eat food, to eat food better, and to make it better. And so it just takes time. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. So I would just encourage whoever's listening that's thinking about it or you think, man, that's just too much work or it just costs too much money or whatever. It's absolutely worth every single day, every single dollar. It's totally worth it. Just take tiny steps and don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask for help and do research. It's absolutely, totally worth it.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I know that if they would reach out to you you have fed up for the farm, you'd be more than willing to help guide them down the right road. Um, oh, I I'm, I'm I'm, more than I love willing talking
1: to... with people so
0: yeah yes, you love talking to people. that's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm more than willing to help anybody out uh, if they have anything uh, that, that's really on their mind or that, that's that they're really uh, want, wanting to know. So uh, thanks for being on the show, Mariah. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Oh, thanks, Austin. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you and the rest of your podcast. Right, thanks so much. Woof! Oh, Moo! Ah, no. Which one are you? I created lots of extra content for you on my Patreon page if you want a deeper dive into my life and the world of regenerative agriculture. I need your support to keep doing this. Depending on how much you want to give, you might either be a brood of hens, guard pups, a flock of sheep, or a herd of cows. Personally, I'm a sticker fanatic. I have a Hydro Flask water bottle on display in my home covered with about 100 stickers from every corner of Colorado. It's one of my most prized possessions. I created a special offer for my fellow sticker fanatics where you'll get a high quality sticker of the podcast logo in the mail if you pledge your support to me on Patreon. Put it on your water bottle, the back windshield, your laptop, a guitar case, or a street light if you're really feeling gutsy. I know, it's only taken like six months for me to get it together, but it's been kinda busy here. My dairy cows definitely consumed most of my day, and I just recently dried them off. I have so much time, I barely know what to do with myself. This podcast isn't a super slick production. It's just me in a dark basement in the wee hours of the morning. I need your financial support to keep producing this. If this show means anything to you, if you find some value in it, please consider donating. However you came to find this podcast, your support, any support would be greatly appreciated. If you have any questions or thoughts about this episode, or want to sponsor a future one, shoot me an email to austin at letthemeatgrass.org. I might even include your question, along with my answer, at the end of my next episode. If you thoroughly enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or download it on whatever podcast directory you use. If you're using iTunes and are feeling mighty generous with the next five minutes of your life, please rate it and leave a review. The more reviews I get, the better my chances of being featured in a spotlight. And as self-serving as that sounds, the more attention this podcast gets, it means that I get to improve the production quality for you. Production assistance was provided by the kissable Kelly Williams. That's my wife. Music was performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson. If you like Scandinavian folk music, you can find his album Old Yarns by Eloin. That's E-L-O-I-G-N at Bandcamp. Cover art was drawn by the radical Rebecca Rabin. And sound engineering was done by the jubilant Jeffrey Hook. If you want any of these marvelous people to help you with your projects, just let me know. That's all I have for now. Stay with me, won't you?